Noah stood at the railing of the bow of the ark, breathing in the salt air. A dark, stealthy shadow was weaving in and around the legs of the animals. Just as Noah turned to watch the animals on deck, the shadow lunged for his throat. Noah, caught totally off guard, jumped from fright and started toppling over the rail. Noah finally yelled out to his sons, Ham! Shem! Japheth! Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 56 from The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. And later in the podcast, we'll have a mystery question for Miss Jenny Cody. A question no one has previously heard, but you will, coming soon in Jenny's Corner. Liz, what's up with that nonce lad acting all mysterious? You mean acting weird? Uh, with him, who knows? Suddenly, other voices began to emerge from the shadows. Unfamiliar voices that... Who are you talking about, lad? It's me, Max, and me kitty friend Liz. But was it really Max and Liz? And how could we possibly know? Perhaps because this is the 44th episode in a row that we've hosted? Aye, and we pretty much do the same thing every week then. What Max said was true. If it really was Max. Oh, for the love of Pete! The announcer lad had indeed faithfully, dutifully introduced the hosts of this show each week. Why is he talking like he's somebody else then? Ah, who knows? But perhaps this week was unlike any other week. Uh, no, monsieur. If you read the script, you will find this is pretty much like every other week. Hmm. What Liz said seemed to make sense. What Liz says always makes sense. Oh, great. Now I'm talking in the third person, too. Twas true. Liz had never spoken in the third person before, suddenly making Max wonder if it really were Liz. Max, look at me! La Petite Kitty? Black fur? French accent? Max had to admit that whoever this cat was, she made a very convincing Liz. But then, what about Max? Indeed, what about Max? Suddenly, Liz's brilliant instincts began to connect the dots. It was becoming clear there was more than meets the eye with this doggy claiming to be Max. The looks on their faces said more than they intended. It were obvious. Both announcer lad and the Liz imposter had their own suspicions about the brave, fierce, yet adorable Scotty dog. Each of them now kept a close watch on the other two, each waiting for the slightest mistake which would tip their hands, reveal their true identities, and... But each was at a stalemate. No one could be sure if they were talking to the real Max, Liz, or announcer lad. Or if each was an imposter. For it seemed that things were not not always always what they they seem. seem. Chapter 56. Not always what they seem. Liz sifted through the charred rubble in the supply room after the humans left to return Duke, Farida and Don Pedro to their stalls. Thankfully, the fire had been contained quickly. Not much was destroyed, just a few bags of grain, 
some wooden tools, and a few old blankets. The humans thought an overturned oil lamp started the fire. Liz wondered if perhaps it was their carelessness that started the fire. She had to rule out deliberate intention as the cause. The overturned oil lamp was lying on the floor. Upon closer inspection, this, indeed, looked like the source of the fire. The fire had followed a stream of oil from the lamp over to the grain sacks, but it appeared that oil was also sprinkled all around the room. If the lamp had simply fallen over, the oil from the lamp would have burned up, but the excess oil spilled out everywhere suggested that this fire was deliberate. Liz's heart caught in her chest. There on the ground near the lamp were Noah's broken and burned tablets, a charred, unreadable mess Noah's work was destroyed. His record of specific animals making their way onto the ark and the daily details of their time aboard, gone. Liz felt sick. Who would want to do this? Who would want to wipe out any record of what Noah had written? It was as if someone wanted to erase history. And if the fire had succeeded and burned the ark, to change history itself. This would require further pondering. Liz picked up her seed sack and left the storage room. Max's mind raced with confusion. He came to the beautiful waterfall. All was quiet here. Most of the animals had gone to the upper deck to escape the fire. Max stopped next to the wading pool and stared into the calm water. Something strange began to happen. A form started taking shape on the surface. Max blinked. It was the face of Gilliman reflected in the water. Gilliman, how I wish you were with me, Max cried. In many ways, I am, the Gilliman figure replied. I'm not doing too good, me friend. I'm trying hard to live up to me name. But I'm not feeling too brave right now. Me dreams keep coming, and I don't know who to trust, Max said, shaking his head. For years I have told you of the Maker. For years I have given you instruction, Gilliman reminded him. Max remembered how his friend had guided him. But Gilliman, you're not here, and the fire cloud's not here. I'm struggling with a lot of things, and I desperately need someone to tell me what to do. Suddenly the water started to churn, and ripples covered Gilliman's face. Max struggled to hear what he was saying. He could only make out one word. Reed. The, the reed? Uh, what about the reed? Max desperately replied, willing the image to remain. But Gilliman's image was gone. In its place was Charlie, whose swimming had disturbed the water. Max, hello. Terrible about the fire, isn't it? I'm just glad no one was hurt, Charlie said as he came up on the bank. Just then, Ham started yelling from above decks. Father, Shem, hurry, come see. I wonder what's happened. No. I best go have a look, 
Max said. Why don't you take a dip first? Get that smoke off your fur, Charlie suggested. I could do with some fresh air. You know, me home always had the mist and the clouds. I always liked me skies overcast. But today, I find myself needing the sun, Max said, as he turned from the pool and headed for the stairs. When he got outside, Max squinted from the light dancing on the water. It was a sight to behold. Animals of all kinds were up on the outer deck, and the humans were celebrating. The fire had been successfully contained, and something new was happening outside that had everyone excited. The horses, gazelles, and fainting goats were running around. Rabbits and kangaroos were jumping and stretching their legs. The birds were flying free, landing on the railing here and there, and the wind was powerfully blowing, whipping Max's fur out of his eyes. Max spotted the wolves sitting over on the far side of the deck, gazing out to sea. William the Frog hopped over to the edge and looked in all directions. Water, water, everywhere. The ark was indeed still surrounded by water, but whitecaps were covering the surface. Noah stood looking at the sea with his sons as they discussed what was happening with the wind. The waters are definitely receding, father, Shem pointed out. Look how the wind is blowing it back, almost in layers. The wind hasn't blown like this since the flood, Japheth added. The sons looked to their father, who continued to study the sights and sounds around him. The wind blew over them in gusts, causing Noah's robe to flap in the wind. Just as he caused the earth to be covered with water, God will cause the earth to be dry once more. It could be that this wind is the tool he will use to do just that. I want each of you to keep an eye on the horizon. As soon as you see any sign of land, let me know immediately. For now, we must wait. How long will it take for the waters to recede? Ham asked. I don't know if I can take much more of being adrift like this, especially now after the fire. Noah smiled, his wrinkles following the pattern of grooves on his face as his beard blew in the wind. Well, if our experience thus far is any indication, I wouldn't pack my bags just yet, son. <laughs> Remember, it took a hundred years to build this ark. I don't think God is ever in a hurry like we are. Noah put his hand on Ham's shoulder. You can do this, Ham. You are fully equipped to handle this part of the challenge. We all are. Just keep trusting and waiting and God will certainly take care of us, as he did with stopping the fire. Ham and Japheth walked over to Shem, who was with the women, to tell them about the wind. Noah stood at the railing of the bow of the ark, breathing in the salt air. A dark, stealthy shadow was weaving in and around the legs of the animals. Just as Noah turned to watch the animals on deck, the shadow lunged for his throat, Noah, caught totally off guard, jumped from fright, and started toppling over the rail. Max was close by and saw what was happening. Fortunately, a spike protruding from the rail caught Noah's garment, preventing him from falling over and hitting the water, 
45 feet below. A low growl rumbled in Max's throat as he saw Noah in peril. He ran over and instinctively grabbed part of Noah's loose garment in his teeth, and not a moment too soon. The fabric of Noah's robe that was caught on the nail began to rip. Max was the only thing keeping Noah and the water apart. Max tugged and tugged, leaning hard on his back legs and digging his nails into the base of the rail, but he couldn't pull the old man upright. He also couldn't call for help, nor grab his reed that was stuck in his collar. Noah finally yelled out to his sons, Ham! Shem! Japheth! Shem looked up, alarmed, and took off from the other side of the deck to reach his father. He was able to get a stronghold and pull Noah back to safety. By now the humans and the animals all saw what was happening. Once Noah was clear, they erupted in cheers and a flurry of activity. None of them noticed the shadow lunging at Max. And no one saw Max fall through the rails. Max felt like he was in the middle of his dream as he fell. Only this time, he wasn't falling past a steep, jagged cliff. He was falling past the slick, wooden planks of the ark. On the top deck of the ark were the yellow eyes watching him fall to his death. Yet another difference from his dream sent Max's mind reeling. The yellow eyes didn't belong to the wolves. They belonged to Charlie. Max hit the surface of the water hard, then shot down, down, down into the depths. It felt like an eternity, but Max's descent finally slowed so he could make his way to the surface. But he was far underwater. The air escaped his lungs as bubbles traveled upward faster than he could move. Charlie turned and called out to the animals, Somebody help! Max has fallen overboard! Hurry! The animals rushed to the railing and looked over the edge, drawing the attention of Noah and his family. They, too, ran over to the edge. What are the animals looking at? Ada asked. All they saw were bubbles slowly appearing where evidently something had fallen into the water. Max's head suddenly bobbed up to the surface, before going back under. It's the little dog, Shem said, as he immediately took off his robe, ready to dive in to rescue Max. Noah grabbed Shem's arm. It's too far to jump. The distance could kill you. Shem hesitated and looked around, trying to figure out what to do. He took off in search of something. Hang in there, Max. We're going to get you help. Charlie shouted when Max's head surfaced again. Max doggy paddled as best he could, but his fear kept dragging him under. He saw his reed floating nearby and desperately tried to reach it. No use. He paddled and sank, paddled and sank. Crinan and Bethu came flying over to Max, calling, Max, grab our legs. We'll try to lift you. Every time the seagulls tried to position themselves, Max slipped back into the water. His reed was only a couple of strokes away, if only he could reach it. He took one big stroke, but slipped under the water. 
The onlookers kept willing Max to stay afloat, but the little dog didn't reappear. Shem pushed his way through the crowd and hurriedly threw a rope ladder over the side. He tried to run down the ladder, but his feet tangled in the flexible rope. He had to take slow, deliberate steps. Meanwhile, Max had not resurfaced as the seconds agonizingly ticked away. Come on, Max! Come on! The animals called. Come on, little one! Come on! Noah and family called to Max. Come! Come! spoke the voice. The water was still. Then a bubble. Then another. And suddenly, whoosh! The waters parted, and Craddock the whale came shooting onto the surface with Max on his back. The humans and animals went wild. Max was coughing up water and trying to catch his breath. Hello, old boy. Splendid to see you. I say, have you enjoyed the rains as much as I have? Craddock asked. I <coughs> hate, Max coughed and coughed, <coughs> water. <coughs> uh, right. Uh, well, the waters won't. Be here much longer. They are receding, you know, Craddock replied. Crinan picked up the floating reed from the water and landed on Craddock's back. Bethu joined him as she patted Max on the back with her wing to help him cough. Well done, Craddock, Crinan exclaimed. How did you know Max were in trouble? Bethu asked. I heard a voice call me, lass. Craddock calmly explained as he swam over to the side of the ark just as Shem reached the bottom of the ladder. Shem scooped up Max in his arms, and the animals and humans cheered. A warm orange glow suddenly covered the water as Shem carried Max back up on deck. Everyone looked to the skies. The fire cloud hovered above them. Noah gazed at the gigantic form of Craddock, who floated next to the ark, remembering the drawing in Adam's cave. Whale, he muttered in wonder. Oh, I shall never forget that day. You won't. Aye, <laughs> me worst fears coming to pass. Hold me bad dreams being real. And the amazing provision by the maker to bring Craddock to your rescue. Aye. But it sure did feel like I were a goner. I were afraid, scareder than I've been in me whole life. I don't blame you, mon ami. And then Craddock came to me rescue just in the nick of time. And for me, just reading about it had me on pins and needles. It's actually one of my favorite chapters. What? He liked what I were going through? No, 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 no. Of course, no, of course not. No, but it was just so full of suspense. I just had to know what was going to happen next. We, oui, because though we know that Max and Noah are both safe, there are still many questions to be answered. Aye, and tis true. Things are not always what they seem. And that is what we want to ask Miss Jenny about today. Let's head over to Jenny's corner now. 
Miss Jenny, we got a question for you. Oh, good. What can I help you with? It's about the chapter we just heard. It must be a real challenge to come up with all that scary stuff, and we don't know what's going to happen. Okay, I think it's time we had a talk about... What? Suspense. Did I just leave you in suspense there? <sighs> Aye, there you go again. This is one of the things that I have to do with my pen, and that is keep you guessing. And I do get emails from parents occasionally complaining that their children were up till 2 a.m. with a flashlight reading because they couldn't go to bed because they couldn't stop reading the book. They had to find out what happens next. And so I apologize if I'm sometimes hateful at the end of some of my chapters and I leave you with a cliffhanger and you just got to turn the next page and see what's going to happen next. All along, I have to string you along and let you try to solve a mystery, right? Who is the bad guy? Who is causing all of this trouble? And in this case, on the ark. I have to give you some hints to let you try and figure it out, but I also have to fool you, too, because things are not always what they seem, and that's kind of like life, right? Sometimes we make assumptions that we think we know what's going on, and things appear that someone did something, when in fact, that's not the case. And sometimes, good guys, even friends of ours, can get framed in our minds that we think they've done something and they really haven't. It's always a good life lesson for us to apply this to everyday life, right? How do we figure out what's really going on? So back to the book. So things are building up in the ark, right? And bad things keep happening. You want to figure out and get to the bottom of it. Tensions are building. And this is one of the most challenging things as I near the end of the book because I've been stringing you along trying to set you up but now I've got to start dropping hints to allow you to try to figure this out, to get to the bottom of it. Who is causing all the trouble? But part of me doesn't want you to get it all the way because I love the big climactic reveal moment where everything is exposed. And so you see exactly what's been going on and who's been causing the trouble and so forth. So whether you figure it out or not, I hope you have a good time enjoying the suspense on the ark. Ah, she did it again. She just left us uh, hanging. Aye, Miss Jenny, are you still there then? <sighs> She's already gone, just like that. <gasps> well, uh, Monsieur Denis, I guess we need to wrap things up. Uh, check your script. There may be a clue. Okay, uh... Oh, oh, here. Uh, so Max was safe and sound for the moment. No, lad. Do like you did before, Mr. Intrigue. Oh, 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 okay. So Max was safe and sound for the moment. Noah had been rescued as well for the moment. But whatever evil had been aboard the Ark was still lurking in the shadows. In our next episode... Just as peace and tranquility has returned to the Ark, its entire population of animals and humans are jolted out of their peaceful interlude and chaos returns. Don't miss our next episode. Ooh, I got chills. 
Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And that's where you'll also find our latest audiobook, The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key. It takes place in colonial America and focuses on the life of Patrick Henry, whose stirring words made him the voice of the American Revolution. With Max, Liz, and the entire Epic Order of the Seven helping pave the way to liberty in America. Both of these amazing stories are by Jenny L. Cody, and both audiobooks can be purchased right now by logging on to audible.com. That's audible.com. And for all the amazing books in print by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grande! But would they have a grande? Could they possibly have a... All right, all right. Show's over, lad. Give it the rest, okay? Fine. <laughs>